CSN International presents To Every Man an Answer, the live apologetics program that equips you to give a reason for the hope that lies within you. If you have a Bible question or a question on the Christian faith, you can call us at 1-888-827-5276. Again, that's 1-888-ASK-CSN. Let's get things started. Here's today's host, Mike Kessler. Hi, and welcome to Tuesday's edition of To Every Man and Answer. We're glad you've joined us. Looking forward to being with you for about the next hour as we set this time aside every weekday afternoon, answering questions about the Bible from the Bible, looking at current events through a biblical perspective, and of course, well, when we go to church, we hear a lot of things being taught that unfortunately just aren't even in the Bible. And so, uh, got a question? Please call us. Been reading your Bible? Come across something you don't understand? That's why we're here for you. Live radio. Call in right now. We got lines open. 8888-ASK-CSN is the number to call. You can be part of the program today. Joining me today, John Randall from Calvary Chapel, South Orange County, California. Hi, and welcome. Mike, great to be back with you today on this uh, Tuesday, and uh, looking forward once again to Time spent with uh, CSN family. What a blessing. It is. And what's going on at South Orange County? Well, Mike, we are just a little under two weeks away from our SoCal Men's Conference. We've been announcing it even on the uh, CSN broadcast. So thankful for that opportunity to get the word out. Be gathering with about 8,000 men at the Anaheim Convention Center. Uh, myself and, and even some of our other CSN teachers will be there speaking the Word of God to the men of Southern California on Saturday, September 23rd, praying for just a great work of the Spirit and uh, looking forward to it, really. Amen. And uh, boy, I'll tell you, um, we got, the, the world's gone crazy. I, 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 you know, I've been kind of telling people this particular week, I always get excited because it's it's the time of Rosh Hashanah. Uh, it's uh, where people reflect on their life uh, as they go and prepare to go into the new year. Of course, the last trump uh, of Rosh Hashanah, this is uh, in uh, Jerusalem, uh, about 8 o'clock. Uh, I believe it's 8 o'clock here on, on Sunday morning. Mm. But uh, it's commonly called the last trumpet. They blow uh, smaller trumpets during the, the the couple of days of Rosh Hashanah. And then on the last trump, they blow the ram's horn. That ends Rosh Hashanah, begins the seven days, and then the new year begins. And um, these are all uh, high holy days. Um, Rosh Hashanah is the only one of the the days that uh, we don't know, uh, you don't really know when it comes up. Uh, All the other ones are prescribed. Uh, The 14th of Nisan, we have all these different dates. But but Rosh Hashanah is one of those moving holidays in the Jewish tradition. And it is interesting that Jesus said, um, we don't know the day or the hour. Uh, I, I think it's always kind of amazing to me, John, as I, as I look at the world, we, we see this um, amazing earthquake that happened over the weekend thousands and thousands dead. Now, a new one that just happened, they uh, believe 10,000 Libyans are dead from a dam that broke. Mm. Uh, So it's incredible that it seems that almost every day some major catastrophe happens where thousands of people are dying daily. 
your thoughts. Yeah, I think, um, Mike, we want to go to the scriptures. And I just think of the words of Jesus. Jesus uh, told us that um, as we get closer to the end, that these things that we are seeing would increase as birth pains. When a woman is preparing to have a child, they go through the Braxton Hicks. You know, there's that start of these you know, uh, contractions. But then as you get closer to the arrival of that baby coming into the world, boy, the contractions, they intensify with frequency and and you're right at the end. And I, I, I sense that the words of Jesus, we're seeing it happen. I mean, things are increasing with intensity and frequency. And, and, and it just seems like we're just getting closer to the end. And I think we need to keep looking up. We need to keep living for Jesus. We need to keep preaching the gospel. And no man knows the day or the hour. But we want to live as though he could come back today. And um, the, these things are surely signs of the times, or as some like to call it, times of the signs. Seems like a time in which we're living. Yeah, you know, there's been over 200 notable dam failures uh, mm. where it's caused massive destruction mm. uh, just from uh, the year 2000 to 2009. And what's amazing about a lot of these is they're built where there's a ravine well, the reason the ravine is there is there's some kind of problem tectonically or 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 uh, in the ground why that that uh, canyon is there where they build the dam. So if one side of the canyon wall or mountain wall moves and the other side doesn't, you have a dam uh, a failure and so a mm. uh, fracture and and so when you realize. One of the signs, uh, uh, one of the, the, the elements of the tribulation period in the very first part of the tribulation that we find there in Revelation chapter 6, as the Antichrist is going out conquering into conquer, goes out peaceably at first, then uses force. We find the, the saints martyred uh, under the altar. And we find that every mountain and island moves out of its place, which tells mm. me, we're going to have massive tectonic plate movement during the tribulation period. And not just then, but towards the end of the tribulation period, all the islands disappear altogether. So the tectonic plate movement, the earthquakes that will be evident during the seven-year tribulation period, I believe are going to be very much a part of the destabilization of the world. And I believe this is, uh, again, going to be a time, as the Bible says, unlike any other time in the history of the world. And God even gave those tribulation saints a book that they could navigate by, a book that they would die for, because it's going to require, most likely, them to be beheaded for their faith, um, to support them in order what's going to happen next on the world. Play-by-play -play action. There in the book of Revelation. So really, really incredible. We see the time leading up to it. Jesus talked about this in Matthew chapter 24, that we are in the age of sorrows preceding the tribulation period. But friends, it's only going to get worse. That's why the Bible says, Jesus said, when you begin to see these things, look up, your redemption draws nigh. And so, boy, I'll tell you, mm -hmm. I believe so importantly that in these days, that we live in, man, we simply want to be about our Father's business. While we can, use the influence that you have today. You may not have it in the days to come. Mm -hmm. 88 
88. Ask CSN's the number to call if you want to be part of the program. Let's go to Jeffrey, Mineral Wells, Texas. I welcome. Hi there. How are you guys? Good. How may we help? Well, I, I've got kind of a two-part question. I actually called the uh, last third year, so I believe you were actually out of the studio. Uh, and then I, I uh, called about Ezekiel 38, 39, and uh, had some questions regarding the burning of weapons, this, that, and the other. And, uh, and the, the question that I have is Ezekiel 38, 39, in the first two, three, four, that uh, it says that the, the Lord will decimate five out of six of those, those armies, five, six of those armies. Yes. Do you feel that that could be very well what might be the trigger uh, to allow for the uh, temple to be rebuilt, number one? And then my other question, uh, well, then right, let me put a part two to that. And how do you feel that that scenario will will interact with the the, the timing of the rapture? Well, if you, you feel like, I've, you know, I've heard people say it's going to be a super quick thing, right? You know, the tribulation, rapture, bam, tribulation. Uh, that, and, you know, and I kind of think it's a several year process before the tribulation begins. Jeffrey, I think I heard you last week when you called in. I was actually uh, traveling, and I heard your call, and I was going to tell you that was a really good observation. Now, I had not heard that before. I've heard a lot of Bible teachers, but what you brought up, I think, was very, very good. I mentioned it yesterday. It impressed me so much, and here's what it is, everyone, and I know, uh, John, you weren't on uh, last week either, Uh, with me. So we missed that on this. But Jeffrey said, well, if they're going to be burning the weapons for seven years, Mm -hmm. we know that they're not going to be burning the weapons into the millennial reign of Christ, because the Bible says Jesus has to make the earth new again, because it's so totally decimated. Uh, They're not going to be burning weapons into the seven, uh, into the uh, millennial reign of Christ. Being the last half of the tribulation period, Israel is on the run. So very possibly the the Ezekiel 38-39 war could be about three and a half years before the tribulation begins. And I, I, I absolutely um, believe that's a very possible real scenario. The rapture of the church is not what starts the tribulation period. People have asked me, do you believe in the gap theory? Well, certainly not in the book of Genesis. But between the rapture and the tribulation beginning, I do believe there's a gap in there. And this is where I believe this time where the Christians are gone. Now, as I look at the world today, I really honestly don't know how much of an impact the rapture is going to have um, on this world. Now you say, what, what are you saying? There's a lot of people that say, Lord, Lord, but there's no fruit in their life. There's a lot of people that, uh, um, I, I, I use this phraseology yesterday from James Vernon McGee. There are real believers and make believers. And I, I don't know, uh, really, um, what, what impact this is going to have. Now, no doubt it's going to have an impact. Sure. It will. But to what level it is, I believe that's an, another another whole uh, uh, thought. Now, again, when the Ezekiel thirty eight thirty nine war happens, Russia, um, the the uh, uh, Ethiopia, Libya, the, the sea, the the countries around the Balkan Sea, Turkey, 
will come against Israel to take a spoil. Now, the Bible says when they do this, God's fury arises in his face. Nobody comes to Israel's defense. Uh, And because of that, God fights for the nation of Israel, destroys five-sixths of the invading army. The cachet of weapons, fuel, oil for the tanks, all this stuff is so great. The Bible says they will be burning what they get out of this battle for seven years. So it's going to be a principal source of energy, I believe, for Israel um, from that time till probably the abomination, which makes desolate three and a half years into the tribulation period. Now, Islam is going to suffer a tremendous blow. Allah will deliver Israel into our hands, and instead God smashes the Muslim countries. It's what the Bible says, everybody. I didn't say it. I believe it's going to be such a humiliating thing that I believe that with with uh, this, I, I believe this man that will come on the world scene will be sympathetic towards uh, the Islamic people. I believe he will negotiate uh, the peace treaty with uh, the world and the Islamic nations for the 11 to 15 acres on the Temple Mount there in Jerusalem, Israel, to stop any further wars from going on. And the Bible says he'll be hailed as the man of peace, that he brought Chrislam uh, uh, to the world. He united, uh, he allows there on the Temple Mount uh, the, the Islamic faith, uh, the Jewish faith, and the Christian faith, what's left of it. Uh, there on the Temple Mount, he'll be called the man of peace. And the world that because of the decimation of this war, they're going to be looking for a world Messiah. Now, it is very possible that the rapture could happen in any time in here, maybe this week, which would then really quickly, I believe, pave the way for this Islamic Russian invasion of Israel to take a spoil. One of the largest natural gas finds that they have found is off the coast of Israel, off the coast of Haifa. So there is a quite a, a tremendous uh, resources there around the Dead Sea as well in the mineral deposits. So you have there, th- this country is the fourth largest producing, exporting fruit to uh, Europe um, uh, that's in that area. So you, it, it's, it's, a, it's a real pearl to take. And it also gets rid of Western influence in the area. So they, they will uh, uh, benefit from it uh, politically. Uh, they'll benefit in their mind. They're going to benefit from it economically. And they're, uh, in their mind, they're going to um, uh, increase that, that uh, uh, relationship with Russia and the Arab countries, which is not going to happen. Now, the Bible also mentions it comes against them with Ethiopia, Libya. List these countries by name is Persia. That is Iran, Iraq, and interestingly enough, Afghanistan. Those three nations are now what in the old days would have been called Persia. Remember Joe Biden. When we say, I talked about this yesterday, um, we will never forget 9-11, okay? Today's 9-12. Uh, 9-11, we will never forget. Well, Joe did. President Joe Biden gave 
gave the very people who bombed our buildings $80 billion, everyone. This is an outrage. They didn't destroy the brand new Apache helicopters when they left in a big hurry that was not even required. No, I, I forget how many they got, eight or 10 brand new Apache helicopters, which I'm sure were sold to, to uh, Russia and to China to reverse engineer, saving millions of dollars of blueprints, millions of, of hours of time designing a helicopter with that kind of technology given by Joe Biden to the people who bombed our buildings. No wonder he didn't go to 9-11 uh, ceremony yesterday. He was up in Alaska someplace. Now, friends, this to me is great concern. $80 billion given to the very people who bombed our buildings. They are part of what's going to come against Israel in the last days. Imagine all that we left behind to be used against Israel. Friends, this is real. This is not, well, that, that's a, you know, conspiracy. No, not conspiracy theory. Absolute bold facts. It's fact. 80 billion, not to mention the Americans that were left behind in Afghanistan, who knows how they've been tortured in prison and all the other stuff. But that's another whole topic. The point is, the Middle East is totally unstable. You just had this giant thing happen uh, where all some, they believe it could be anywhere between 2,000 and 10,000 people dead. These countries are needing money. They need resources. And where do you go? Well, if you haven't got it, you go steal it. Well, here's the problem. I believe we're right there right now. And I believe the Antichrist is going to be very conciliatorial to the Muslim faith. I believe as he builds the new world religion, the Chrislam, the coexist, as you see. Well, I believe that that will be a very key part of his coming to power, and then as he as this treaty is made with Israel for them to be able to build their temple there on that temple mount, the Bible clearly says what starts the tribulation, again, not the rapture of the church, but a treaty that is signed with Israel. And being so much of all of Israel's whole relationship with God surrounded the temple, even to the point where Jesus cleansed the temple a week before he was crucified, the second time. We find the temple so clear. John was told to measure it in Revelation 11. You can't measure it. You can't measure a temple that is not there. It was decimated in 70 AD. But you see, those that believe that all of that happened in 70 AD, the book of Revelation is long done, far gone, over. You are going to be welcoming in the Antichrist, not Jesus Christ. Because that's what they believe. Uh, the replacement theology just says, oh, we're just, it's, it's going to get, and, and the church is going to get bigger and bigger and take over the world, and we're going to usher in Jesus Christ. No, you're going to be ushering in the Antichrist. Because the Bible says he's the next person that's going to appear on the world scene. Jesus Christ appears in the air to take his church home. Your thoughts, John? Well, um, Jeffrey, I appreciate the question. I would say um, concerning just a couple things. One, there will be a rebuilt temple. 
Um, whether, according to your question, Ezekiel War, does that set up the temple for rebuilding? Listen, if you visit Israel today, there's even a place called the Temple Institute. It's right across the street, really, right across the way from the Western Wall where people go to pray. And there is a desire um, for the temple to be rebuilt, and they're anticipating it, which is a little bit eerie when you go into this Temple Institute. And what you find is all of the different utensils and from the clothing to the various things that are described in the Bible, they have already manufactured and prepared for the third temple. And what's fascinating, I remember last time that I was there, I asked the person who was there giving us the tour, I said, well, how long do you think it'll take for you guys to set up the you know, the temple and actually build it? They said, oh, we don't need to set up the entire temple. All we need to do is see this altar right here. They have a replica of the altar. We can take that down and reset it up on Temple Mount in about 30 minutes and we can begin to worship while it's being built. It was just fascinating to me. So you realize that things are being set up. As as Pastor Mike mentioned, um, all of these nations that you read about, how they're all coming together, how there's coalition, how they're they're working together, and so much is happening as they're preparing for these things. And what's fascinating to me, Jeffrey, and probably to you as well, is that the Bible is true. All of these things are coming to pass. And we see all, almost like pieces in a puzzle beginning to line up as we get closer and nearer to the return of Jesus. And I believe that our salvation is nearer than when we first believe. And it is my prayer that when you look and think about the millions of people, be that in the underground church in China, in churches in Africa, where the church is exploding in other parts of the world and even in parts of America, there are still godly people here who are anticipating. I think that's going to have a major impact on the world when um, millions of people instantly disappear. And there will be, as Mike said, an individual, charismatic, he will come to rule and he will be given authority and um, we'll see the Antichrist, the spirit of Antichrist, very much alive right now, but the actual person coming. But for us as Christians, hey, we need to be looking for Jesus Christ. We're not looking for the Antichrist. He's coming soon. And Amen. so uh appreciate the question, Jeffrey. Yeah. And, and what I mean about uh, the impact, I, I believe most of the governments of the world are ungodly. So I don't see a big diametric change in the governments of the world at the rapture. They don't want to have anything to do with God now. So so I don't think, I think the individuals though, I think there's going to be a lot of people that aren't going to show up the day after the rapture for work. I think there's going to be <laughs> a lot of, lot of uh, disappearances that they're not going to be able to explain. But I think as far as the global governance. I don't believe you're going to see an immediate change the next day. In fact, they're going to move more quickly towards a one world order and may very well use the rapture, the disappearance of we as nations, uh, the earth has perched itself of the undesirables. We must unite together now, now or ever, and we must get into, uh, you know, climate change. And, you know, they're going to have a world religion, friends, and they're going to sell it. And the American news media, if it's still here, will be their number one proponent. I've never seen such horrible news in my life. The absolute covering up things. Remember the cocaine in the White House? Isn't that amazing? The story went away. Just vanished. That's a pretty serious thing going on, everyone. But... It never, you, you, did, did you ever hear any resolve on it, John? I never did. 
It was a story. It was there. It was found. It was established fact. And then the story, thank you, American News Media, you just put it in the trash can and never told us what was really going on. They're so dishonest, man. That's their whole game, is to keep people... And instead of really looking at the at the issue, they'll they'll say, "Oh, a beached whale was over here. Look over here. Look over here." They don't want you to look at really what's going on. No, no, no. They're much too clever for that. Jeffrey, I hope that helps because again, I believe we are right. Like I say, work for the night's coming. Jesus said, "For the night's coming when no one can work." Be about your father's business. It is so important. I think. The big clock is running down. Jeffrey, I hope that helps. Wonderful. Lord is near, guys. Lord is at the door. And by the way, that was some good insight on that about the last seven and a, uh, three and a half years. The Israel is going to be on the run. So how can they be burning the weapons for uh, seven years if for the last three and a half years uh, they're on the run uh, after the tribulation when Jesus said, just run for the hills. Don't even go back in to get your coat. So, yeah, I think, and what that tells me, Jeffrey, and for all of us, I think we're more close than we ever dream. So being about our father's business, so important. Stay in line, Jeff. We'll send you out a couple books, a couple of DVDs. And with that, we'll go to Cindy in Texas. Hi and welcome. Cindy, are you there? Hi. I'm here. Yes. Hi. How may we help? Um, well, I'm calling in regard to a call you received yesterday. Yes. There, there was a lady that called in, and she sounded like a young lady. And she was questioning about, uh, she was ask, asking questions about whether or not she should pursue doing a prenup. And uh, do, you, do you all remember that? Yes. Oh, yes. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, I, I just wanted to share a little bit of what I experienced. Okay. We've only uh, got a few minutes here, but we only got a few seconds here before the break, but go ahead. Okay. I guess what, what I, my point would be that no matter how well you think you know someone, um, the enemy is very crafty. Uh, I was married to my ex-husband for over 30 years and found that he had came home one day and he was basically gone. He basically abandoned me and robbed us basically of at least half of what we had. Yeah. I no, knew- Cindy, I know. I, I That's what I told the girl yesterday. I said, I, I wish we lived in a world where we didn't have to have things like this. But boy, people today are such good actors. And unless you've known this person for a long, long time, observed them from their friends, from the church, it might not be a bad idea to get a prenup. We'll talk more about it on the other side of the break. We'll be right back. Let's see, if something costs less, but people are happier with it, that sounds like something to look into, and that's MediShare. Maybe you've heard switching to MediShare to pay for health care can save the typical family 500 bucks a month, and that's huge. But it's also true that people are way more satisfied After making the switch to the customer satisfaction rate for MediShare is double that of the typical health insurance plan. Double. MediShare works. It's been around for more than a quarter century and members have shared more than $3 billion of each other's bills. 
People love having telehealth and a huge nationwide PPO network. So, yeah, you can save a ton and like it better. Imagine being happy with how you're taking care of your health care. So if you're self-employed or part of the gig economy or you just want to plan you're happy with, you can call right now and get a price within two minutes. A very, very smart use of two minutes. Here's the number you need. 855-91-BIBLE. That's 855-91-BIBLE. 855-91-BIBLE. More than ever, pastors need to feel people's love and support. Over the last few years, many pastors have seriously considered leaving their church. But 1 Thessalonians 5.12 instructs all churches and all Christians to show and share their deep appreciation for those who minister to them. There is no better time to do this than Pastor Appreciation Month in October. And there's no better way to do it than using the easy as one, two, three, bless your pastor materials that are available for free at blessyourpastor.org. That's blessyourpastor.org. Plus, the great news is that if your church uses the one, two, three, bless your pastor materials, the pastors at your church will be offered a $300 scholarship application to attend a Family Life Weekend to Remember Marriage Retreat. What a blessing this will be to your pastors and their spouses. For free materials, go to blessyourpastor.org. That's blessyourpastor.org. Back to Tuesday's edition of To Every Man and Answer with John Randall from Calvary Chapel, South Orange County, down by uh, San Clemente. I'm your host, Mike Kessler. And uh, once again, we want to remind you, go to your app store, download the CSN radio app. You can listen anywhere, anytime. It's all new and improved. Again, your CSN radio app, when you go to your app store, and you'll be able to find it there and download that. So wherever you go, we get to go with you. We like that. I like that. It's really good. You know, real quick, um, you know, uh, before we go back to the, our phones, you know, John, uh, in California, there's some real scary, demonic things going on. Uh, uh, California has just passed more legislation to protect LGBTQ plus children Parents who disagree with their children's gender identity, and I believe this is at any age, uh, can risk losing custody and your children will be taken away by the state if you have uh, anything to say. Now, now again, uh, these little kids that would just eat ice cream all day long for breakfast, lunch, and dinner are determining their sexual identity uh, protected by a complete loon state now what what's your take on this john you're in california and uh how how do you keep uh the state of california's thuggery from from taking away uh, children from parents in that state their own children yeah we recently had uh, rallies on the sacramento uh steps there at the capitol uh fighting against uh, ab665 and also ab957 these are bills that um, in other words, how they were able to get these into the – by the way, these bills that are written uh, were written by people who are A, homosexual, second, not parents. So just imagine that. They're putting out bills for us on how to take care of our children. But what they did is there is a bill that was in place 
that protects children from abuse and, and they can report it and then they can be protected. But what they did is they, they put um, a child's desire to be something other than God created them to be under this protection act so that if you are not affirming of your child's desired or their thought out gender then um, or their transitioning – then they can report it to the state and the state can come in like they would in an abuse case and they can remove your child from the home. And um, that's why we're calling it the kidnapping bill. So it did go through the Senate. It is on the governor's desk. And it would not surprise me if the governor of California signed it. Oh, he'll sign it. You, you could bet that. Crowning, yeah, sure. As his crowning achievement. But I mean, what do you do? You just keep you pull your kids out of school if you got to. You you, you find alternatives and you continue to live for Christ. I mean, things are this. This is what we're talking about, Mike. Things are as it was in the days of Sodom and Gomorrah, as it was in the days of Noah. No, I mean, th- no. these are things that are happening. And so, for us, man, we just got to keep being the salt and light. And for me, as a shepherd, as a pastor, I encourage our people: don't lose heart, keep looking to the Lord. And um, but this is Jesus told us these days would come, and and they're here. So uh, for us, we just keep fighting the battle and in the spirit, and uh, pray. We rally, we vote, we do everything we can to make a difference. Yeah, and 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 it's, it's unbelievable, and uh, I I think for many people in California, uh, they're Christians. It might be time to leave. Um, you you have well, all I can say to that. I would disagree with that wholeheartedly, Mike. I love you. But well, I, yeah, listen, but Christians but need, the thing is, the thing here. is, is that stand. but yeah, but you need, understand what I mean? They light. you they can have their children yeah. taken away as soon yeah. as this bill is signed. Yeah, well, that, that's for that's for people who you know, the, in in the sense of people that aren't walking with Jesus. But we need godly people here. We need people to make a stand. We need people. It's like Paul. You know, you can't tell Paul leave Ephesus because uh, the Temple of Diana is there. No, we got to stay. We got to stand. And and God is moving in the midst of. Listen, when when it's dark, that's when light really shines. And so, in the midst of what you hear on the news and what you hear in the media, there is a movement of God in California. God is reviving His people. I was just part of a baptism where we baptized over five thousand people. So God is on the move. I mean, God is working. So, and, and no one's going to report that, but, but the spirit of God is moving. Yeah. Parents need to pray through what's best for their family. But if everybody leaves California, which is what they want, then who's going to stand? And for well, me, I, my I, house, you know, we're going to stand. We're gonna yeah. Stand. And I understand that. I, I just, my, my thing is, is that, um, what, once the state gets control of your kids, they're gone. They're gone. Well, that's going to move through everywhere. You know, you might think you're in some red state. You're only oh, a vote away. Oh, having, you, you know, some, you've got that right. coming in, you yeah, know? Absolutely. Um, Crazy. But but that's what I'm saying. You know, on some things, yeah, yeah I can I can stand and fight. But, you know, when it when it comes to your own children and um, un, un, undo uh, wrong legislation to take your kids away. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, that's a that's that's a pretty big that's a pretty big decision to make. Uh, yeah, and and yeah, I do believe God uh, does miracles. I do believe God protects us. But the Bible also says a wise man sees trouble coming and prepares for it. And oh, I, yeah. I I believe that there, and and you know, really, John, I and and this is probably going to go to our next call as well. Mm. Uh, pick yeah. up uh, is that it's different in every situation. You know, uh, sometimes God will tell you to go, and we certainly found that. Look, look what uh, God warned Joseph in a dream: take baby Jesus, get to Egypt. Uh, he's going to seek the child's life, and so we do know that sometimes we do have to go. Uh, sometimes we stay. Uh, you know, and I think John, this is one of the the, the things mm-hmm. that I think is kind of dangerous 
today in in Christianity. We want one shoe fits all. Mm. And that's not the case. Every case is different. Every person is individual. And where God may tell one family to leave, he may tell another family to stay. Remember, in the Old Testament, David was up against the Philistines. And he got ready to go out to battle. And he said, you know what? I think I'm going to pray and find out what God thinks about this. Shall I go out in the valley and meet the Philistines? And God said, go out into the valley. I will deliver them into your hand. In the same chapter, a few years later, David is in the exact same place up against the Philistines in the exact same array. And he gets ready to go out to battle as he did before. And he said, you know, I'm going to pray about this. And he prayed Should I go out and meet them in the valley as I did before? And the Lord said, you shall not go out in the valley. You hide in the Timberneth trees, take them by surprise. And God gave David another great victory. But here's the point. It's easier oftentimes to trust in our victories in history or what happened in other people than it is to go to God and get fresh insight for you, moms and dads, for your children, for you, individuals, what God wants you to do, rather than looking around, what, what's everybody else doing? Oh, you got to do this to have a successful church. Well, then we're going to do that and have a successful church. That's not the way it works. Yeah. No, it's a valid point that you make. You got to get such a good point. You got to get back you, and say, what God, what do you want me, my family to do? And, um, you know, cause as, as an example, John, there might be somebody listening right now and perhaps their California job has offered them a position in, in Utah or, or Nevada and, and, and say, uh, you know, do you want to transfer and go there? Well, I, gosh, I really don't know. Well, if I had kids and I was presented with something like this, I'd really pray about it because maybe God's just opening the door for you to oh, yeah. go and get out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You never not, not want, I would never discourage anybody from praying about being led by the spirit or guided and directed. But that point also flips the other way where it's saying, well, everybody's moving. So I'm going to move. Well, if God wants you to, then do it. Hey, if God calls you, you, you should pray. You should go and, and do what he says to do. Not because everybody else is doing it, but because the Lord is saying do it. And I think that's, that's important. You know, I just think of that quote, you know, Mike, that the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. And, um, you know, back in the day, California was upside down and God brought revival and, uh, I'm holding out for it, man. I'm holding out for it. We're going to keep fighting the good fight. And no matter what state you're in, you know, I'd rather be in the, for me in my house. Again, this is, everybody has to decide that, but for California, just to answer that question. Yeah, it, it's getting dark, but what an opportunity, what an opportunity to be a light in a dark place. I mean, where are the people in China going to go with their families? Where are the people in India going to go where it's, where it's illegal to, you know, proselytize? Where do, where do they go with their kids? Where, do the, where does the, the growing, vast Middle East church that is exploding right now, uh, you know, a friend of mine from Voice of the Martyrs just told me they just, they just uh, took in 300,000 Bibles. And if you have a Bible, you go to prison, but they were able to smuggle in 300,000 Bibles. They can't go anywhere, but they got the word of God and they're a light. So wherever God's called you, that's where you want to be. That's the best place to be in the center of God's will, no matter where it is, what state, what country. Um, as long as you're serving Jesus and he's, he's got you where he wants you. Amen. So being about daddy's business, Cindy, going back to you. Sorry, dear, about the, the delay there, but uh, going <laughs> about the prenups. Now, we had a call yesterday. Uh, a young lady called us and said, my boyfriend wants a prenup. What do you think? And I said, well, I said, prenups, I don't believe are always a bad thing. Today, we have such actors in the political realm in the church, 
in who we marry, who we're dating. We see it everywhere. And the thing is, is that I gave a couple illustrations where I know a couple who got married. After they'd been married a short period of time, he said, oh, by the way, I'm a felon and I'm wanted in three states or four states. Uh, well, why didn't you tell me before we got married? Well, if I had told you, I know you wouldn't have married me. Friends, that's fraud. No other way around it. Now, is that a legal marriage? I would say not because he went into the marriage in fraud. There's a lot of things we have to look at when we go into things. I'm not talking, well, you never told me you didn't like pepperoni pizza. I'm not talking about that kind of stuff. Where you got kids in other states, you're wanted, uh, you're you're a fugitive, all these kinds of things. Um, Courtship is not the time to deceive who you're marrying to the stratosphere. And then after you marry him, oh, by the way, I get drunk. I throw fits. I have an outrageous temper. I throw children against walls. Well, why didn't you tell me that before we got married? Well, of course. I didn't tell you because I knew you wouldn't marry me. See, this is the problem that we're running into. So uh, I think you don't always have to have a prenup if you've known somebody your whole life. But if you don't, and what's interesting, Cindy, is what you're telling me. You were married to this guy for over 30 years, and you come home, he's cleaned out everything, you're broke. You want to finish real quickly, and then, uh, John, your thoughts on it. Yeah, um, yes, I do. Um, I guess the point I'm trying to make is you might think you know someone. Uh, to me, it's, it's shocking to know that you can... Someone can, I could be married to someone that long. And I'm not the only person in this situation. There's there's hundreds of thousands in support groups. Probably millions. <laughs> yeah, that, that have, are dealing with this, this kind of thing. These people will sit in church with us. They will uh, do evening devo- morning and evening devotions with us. They will talk to talk. Uh, they will... Uh, usually be able to walk the walk because they, they're they very good copycats. Um, so establishing, had I established some boundaries uh, going into the marriage and during the marriage, then some of the issues that I now have to deal with could have been prevented. My advice to, to anybody getting married no matter how well you know the person, is you need to establish some really firm boundaries. And especially when it comes to, sadly enough, finances. When you get a credit card in you, you're in your spouse's name, you are automatically liable for half of anything that that person, other person puts on that credit card. Any other, any debt that they incur, anything, you're going to be held liable for that simply by the fact that you were married to person. Person, it doesn't know if you knew about it or not, because that's the way the legal, our legal system works. They also don't like to hear the fact that uh, you, oh, how could something be going on and you not know about it? In most households, one or the other person handles the finances. If you don't, if they don't show you a reason to doubt what they're doing with your finances, your bills are paid, you're, you know, you're, you're upright, uh, appearing, then you don't go looking and digging behind them. 
yeah. unless all of a sudden a reason appears to. Yep. And- hey, real quick, John, your thoughts. Yeah, um, Cindy, I'm so sorry, first of all, that that yes, happened to you. Are. And that's, that's it's tragic. It's unfortunate. And I just want to say um, that's never God's intention for marriage. There's a couple of things that, that I want to add to what you've said. First of all, there is no biblical precedent for prenup. There's nothing in the Bible. That, that's not God's original intention. God's original intention was that one man with one woman for life, committed to the Lord first and foremost, and a healthy relationship is based on following the scriptures, being a believer. Did you marry a believer? Did you marry a non-believer? Did you marry a pseudo-believer? Did you really, I mean, did you go through premarital counseling? What kind of foundation did you lay? I mean, if my wife and I would have had a prenup, there's really nothing, we, we didn't have anything. So it wasn't like there was anything established. Listen, you, you trust the other person, but even if somebody who claims to be godly and walks with the Lord, there's enough flesh in every single person to walk away from Jesus if they don't stay close to him. And that's possible. And that 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 is somewhat of a risk that you take when you engage in marriage and you take those vows and, and of love and faithfulness. And I'm not saying you can't have these one-offs where somebody has priors and they didn't tell you and then you found out afterwards. It happens. Um, they're usually, you see these shows on the news. But but what I want to say to you is God's intention from the beginning is that you have two people who were, there's transparency, there's trust, there's love. It's based upon the word of God. God blessed marriage. He loves marriage. He's the one that designed it. And so, um, and, and he's given us guidelines. If, if you live according to 1 Corinthians 13 and you follow those examples of love, Love, then, then that that's the that's the roadmap for us, and and so I would say we want to to stay close to that. Yeah, you need to know who you're going to marry. Some people end up, you know, getting unequally yoked, marrying somebody who's not really a Christian. They're not really walking with the Lord, and you're not really walking with the Lord. So you got together, or you you hooked up before, and you've been sexually active, and now now we're just going to go forward with it, and and all the rest of it. That's a bad way to start. You want to start on a solid foundation. If more of us did it God's way, there'd be less. Uh, Jesus said it's because of the hardness of heart that marriages break up. And so I want to say to those that are listening today, if you are in a situation where your marriage isn't doing well, listen, get back into church, get back into fellowship, get some godly counsel if necessary. If you've gone through a divorce, listen, God can destroy can restore you. And even though you've gone through hardship and difficulty, God is able, he is faithful and uh, he can work. But, but I just want to encourage people, Hey, marriage is a blessing from the Lord. And and sometimes we do see people make mistakes and do foolish things. And it's unfortunate, but, but to, to go into a marriage and say, Hey, listen, sign this just in case it doesn't work out. Let's have this prenup. And that way you'll be able to get this and I won't take your stuff and you won't take my stuff. Let's just put that up front. Suddenly it's like, well, you know what? This isn't working out today. So good thing we got a prenup. I can just walk. I think that's a dangerous thing. If you're going to have a godly marriage, do it God's way. And uh, I feel very strongly about that. I've been married 31 years. I'm not perfect. I'm still learning. But I realize God does have a plan. And if we'll do it his way, he'll bless it. Now, in the Bible, of course, they had a way of dressing this. It was called a dowry. And you would present, if you were a man, to the woman's father a present. It was a monetary gift or whatever it might be, whatever the the rate of exchange was then. And what it was, it was alimony in advance is what it really was. First of all, you in a way. Sad. (laughs) Yeah. But, but this is what they all did. And, and so if the man left, the dowry then could be applied to the woman's, um, uh, well-being. And it was also kind of saying, thank you, dad, for feeding, taking care of your daughter to prepare her for me. So it had a twofold meaning. But it was almost always in uh, the Bible, all the way, all the way through. Some people believe the dowry for us being the bride of Christ was the gift of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter two. So when you look at this picture all the way through the Bible, 
But they had a way of addressing this issue if the guy booked out that the dowry then was given to the father would then be passed on to his daughter and uh, support the family and all. So, Cindy, I hope that that sheds some light on it for you. And again, uh, I'm sorry to hear what you went through, but Mm -hmm. we just need, and like I told people, you know, you want to find somebody that's serving God before you meet them. They're already involved in church. They're not just turning it on for you to impress you. And then, no, I I, I don't have time to go to church today. I got to stay home and watch football. Well, you know, that person was just giving you a snow job the whole way through. But if you find somebody that was teaching Sunday school or involved in church or jail ministry or whatever, long before they met you, you got a lot better chance of that person continuing in the relationship with God than just the flip of the switch, turn on Christian, and then once I get what I want out of you, flip the switch off. I use the old phraseology out of an old car commercial that says, I love what you do for me. Well, that's not real love, friends. Real love is what I can do for you. That's what true love is. Hmm. So, Cindy, I hope that helps, dear. And uh, stay in line. We'll send you out the movie Jesus, okay? Okay. God bless you, Cindy. Thanks so much for the call. Let's go to Jennifer, Festus, Missouri. Hi, welcome. Well, hi, guys. I appreciate all your work that you guys do on the radio. Well, I have a friend, and she was talking about the pre-turbo, the, the pre-tribulation and I asked her, she goes, did you see this guy on Facebook? And first of all, I don't believe any of those people on Facebook because it's not in God's word. They're just trying to put something there. But there's a lot of churches that already believe this has happened. It's unbelievable. And um, I can't believe how many woke churches are out there now. And, you know, and it's just, it's just flooring. I mean, this whole thing is just so flooring. But we... We will not, we are going through the pre-tribulation, but we won't see it till we won't, the church will be raptured up when the Antichrist comes. That's what the Bible says. You have the age of the church, and then you have the Antichrist in Revelation 6 going out conquering and to conquer. Uh, The book of Revelation is written in order. Here's something really important. During the tribulation period, during the seven years, you never hear the word church ever mentioned. You find the elect, you find the saints, but you never find the church. Those are the people who are saved out of the tribulation period. But the church is in heaven, and we find them singing in Revelation chapter 5. John, your thoughts? Yes, I would agree with that, Mike. I, I am a pre-tribulation person. I, I believe that. I think there's passages of Scripture, and we only have a few minutes, but uh, Luke chapter 21, verses 34 through 36, where Jesus says, Take heed to yourselves. Don't be laid down with carousing and drunkenness and the cares of this life, that that day come on you unexpectedly, because it's going to come as a snare to, on all those who dwell on the face of the earth. Watch, therefore, and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come upon the earth and stand before the Son of Man. And that's what I'm praying. I'm looking forward to missing that day that's going to come. Listen, the, the tribulation has two reasons. One, to judge a Christ-rejecting world. Secondly, to bring the nation of Israel back to her Messiah. There is no part that the church plays as the blood-bought bride of Christ experiencing the judgment a coming upon a Christ-rejecting world, but we will be taken out. Paul talks about it, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and I believe it's before the 
absolute outpouring of the tribulation period and the trumpets sound and the seals are broken and the bowls are poured out. Listen, it's before that, as Mike mentioned, chapters one through five, we see the the saints there in glory singing a song that no one else could sing. You've redeemed us out of every tribe, tongue, nation, and people, and they're praising God. And then you see chapter six, man, the, the seals are broken, the tribulation begins, and you don't see uh, that group of people again until the very end of the second coming when we come back riding on white horses with him and he establishes his kingdom and destroys the Antichrist and the devil. And where the problem the Antichrist comes, and the false prophet, I should say. Yeah. Where the problem comes from is where where Paul says at the last trump, they go, Oh, that's the seventh trumpet in Revelation. Mm-hmm. No, it's not. No. Very clearly it's not. In fact, there was a lot of things that the trumpet represented in the times of Israel. It heralded an event. It meant to move certain directions in, in battle. Uh, and we find the last trump, though, is tied, I believe, to one of the holy, high holy days in the Bible. And so this is where I think some of them get this. Um, and again, the we're God's, we're Jesus's bride. Why would he subject us? Now, again, there's always been earthquakes. There's always been wars. There's always mm-hmm. been pestilences. Those are all, I believe, caused by the devil. But when we get into the judgment of God in Revelation, beginning in chapter 6, as the seals are popped off, as the trumpets are blown, as the bowls are poured out, these are mediated by God, not the devil. So why would God mediate these these judgments that are designed for a God-rejecting world upon his bride? No, it doesn't even logically make sense. And they take a couple of verses out of context and come up with this idea of mid-trip. One other thing, very quickly. Jesus said, watch and be ready. You don't know what hour your Lord's going to come. So when some man says Jesus can't come back to the middle of the tribulation, I immediately dismiss it because I know he's telling stories. Jesus said, watch and be ready. I'm coming as a thief. Hope that helps, Jennifer. Oh, there it does. And I want to say something to Mary. I hope she's out there listening tonight. This is really quick. That I had someone from a former church I used to go to, and it's really sad, Mike, and the other pastor, I didn't get your name. John. She married this guy, and her husband passed away, and he claimed that he was a Christian. She put everything in his name because he said, well, you know, it says in the Bible, I'm the man of the house, so I get to be head of the household, so you got to put everything in my name. Well, she did, and she was only married for a short time after three months, and he kicked her out of her house that her husband purchased for her before he died because he worked at Chrysler for many, many, many years. So all that money from Chrysler and his profit sharing and everything went right to this guy's hand, and the poor girl was thrown out on the streets. This was years ago. It was like about 20-something years ago. Yep, that's what happens. Jennifer, I'm, I, 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 I tell everybody, as Jesus said, be wise as serpents, harmless as doves. Stay online, we'll send you out the movie, Jesus. We're out of time. Thank you, John, for being on. Got it, Mike. God bless you. Look forward to being back with you. Until then, may the Lord keep you in his love. Keep looking up. The upper taker's coming. To find out more about this ministry or to receive a copy of today's program, please call 1-800-357-4226 or write us to Every Man and Answer, P.O. Box 391, Twin Falls, Idaho, 83303. That toll-free number is 1-800-357-4226. 
Subscribe to the free podcast on iTunes by searching for To Every Man and Answer in the iTunes store or visit us online at csnradio.com slash T-E-M-A. To Every Man and Answer is a production of CSN International, the Christian Satellite Network. The opinions expressed by our guests may or may not be those of CSN International or of this station. 